Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, we dive into the book of Acts. So, again, we are looking at the first 15 verses, and I know that seems short, but there's a lot here. Uh, we're going to be focusing mostly on the young disciple, which is Timothy. We'll, we'll see him. Uh, we're going to look at circumcision and baptism, and I said circumcision of baptism, because we'll, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the ends of the earth, we're going to see Paul even going further, way further, and the woman at the river. Her name is Lydia. And we are going to talk about her. So these are the main, four main things we are going to be discussing. We will observe the other things somewhat in passing. You know, we'll consider them. But these are going to be the four main things we talk about today. Okay. Everybody ready? All right. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. Obviously, Paul. Uh, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as it went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, uh, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came uh, down to Trous, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, and concluding that the Lord had preached uh, us, oh, had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from, from Trous, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and uh, the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we, were and we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear the word of God. Okay, so, verses 1 and 2. Then he, again, Paul, came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a, Jewish, uh, a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So remember, Derby was where Paul was stoned, and he's returning there. He returns to Derby and Lystra. Remember that persecution? They wanted to stone him there, and he fled to Derby, and then they find him there, and, and they stone him there. But uh, Timothy is apparently in Lystra. Remember, Iconium was... Act so we're go And we'll, we'll... You know what? Let me just go to the map real quickly to show you. Because remember, when he, they had first gone out, they went to Cyprus, and then they went up through uh, Perga, they went up to Antioch, they went to Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. Now they're going backward. 
Okay, so they, remember, they wanted to revisit the, the churches that they, they had founded, right? And to encourage them and all the rest. So that's what they're doing. But remember, this is where he was stoned, almost to death. Uh, this is, I mean, it really started here, but then it, then it really increased to which, where they wanted to kill him, here. And then he fled, and then they, you know, went after him and stoned him there. But, uh, so, I, uh, the brethren were speaking well of Timothy here. So he's... He's probably in Lystra because, you know, it says that Paul went to Derby and Lystra. Let's go back over here. Um, so, yeah, uh, the cer son of a certain, yeah, anyway, uh, so Derby and Lystra. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Timothy becomes a very faithful companion to Paul. There are two pastoral le letters to Timothy. There's a third one to Titus, but there are two pastoral uh, uh, letters to Timothy from Paul, and we'll get into that because I have a bunch of verses that I want to uh, um, consider together. Um, so once Paul met him, he he agreed apparently that you know uh, he was well spoken of, and he apparently agreed to their testimony. He he takes him in, and he and, and he becomes a father of the faith to him, and we're, we'll 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 consider that. Um, Timothy means honoring God or honored by God and was likely named by his pious mother Eunice. We, we see her name in one of his uh, epistles. And his, and his grandmother, Timothy's grandmother, is Lois. Uh, Eunice means uh, good victory and Lois means agreeable. Uh, now, other than... So, obviously, uh, his mother was a Jewish woman and his father was Greek. We don't know anything about his father. We don't know his name. We don't know if he's even around. It's, it's suggested, we'll get to that, that he wasn't, whether he died, whether he took, we don't know. But we'll get to that. Because, again, I think Paul kind of becomes his father figure, and I, I think his mother is more than happy, you know, and his grandmother. They're very strong in the faith. And here comes an apostle, and, you know, here's their son and grandson who doesn't have a father. And here's this great apostle Paul, who was just persecuted in that city, though. But they're handing him over to be a son in the faith. Again, we, we will uh, um, talk about that. Um, yeah. Um, that he was a father figure, though, just real quickly. That he calls himself a father in the faith. We see this in other churches. This wasn't to continue in that way. This is not a church office, you know. He doesn't become a father to Timothy as, as, as you know, some church office, you know. He, he, he's alluding to him being a son in the faith. He's growing him up. He's, he's seeking to mature his son in the faith to continue in that faith. And again, we will see that. I'm just trying to preface that. That's not a church office. Just like... Whenever you find an older man in the faith, you know, that person can be a father in the faith to you, you know. And same thing, when you find somebody younger and you want to encourage them, they can be a son in the faith. Same thing, mother, daughter, all that. I mean, it's just, that's what I'm saying, though. This is, this is a relational thing. It's not a church office thing, okay? Just to make that part clear. Um, and again, I, I think uh, Eunice and Lois would have... Love nothing more than him joining uh, um, uh, Paul. Um, okay, so real quickly, I want to mention some verses that he writes to Timothy, and then we're going to discuss this. 
Uh, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16 says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know that you, how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, uh, and without controversy great is the mystery of godliness. This, what he's about to say is a doxology. This is basically uh, a hymn of praise to God. Uh, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Uh, that was the end. First um, Timothy 4, 6 through 5, 1 says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of, uh, and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward God godliness. Real quick, let me just mark right here because I want to mention something. What, I, what, what we're doing today, I'm going to specifically talk to you two regarding Timothy. When we consider Lydia, then I'll be talking to you three. This will, you know, these, all, both of these will apply to all of us, both of you specifically. You're young men in the faith, and I want you to listen. I want you to listen strongly to what Paul is saying, and then we'll talk about it a little bit, very, very briefly. But listen, both of you, pay attention. All right. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for, uh, for all things, having, uh, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come... Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on, uh, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that, that's, that he is king. Uh, that you keep his commandment without the spot, blameless until our Lord Je uh, Jesus Christ appearing, uh, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has, uh, has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Let's just remember who... who uh, whom no man has seen or can see. Remember, the invisible attributes is the same man who's writing to uh, Timothy. It's Paul. Okay. First uh, Timothy 6, 20 and 21. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. Now we're going to go into the second epistle. Paul writes his second epistle to Timothy in prison. <laughs> And it's a very encouraging 
letter. It's a wonderful letter. And, you know, you wouldn't expect to get an encouraging letter from prison. You know, he'd probably be like, you know, hey, will you bring me some things? And he does. But um, but this is a great encouraging letter. But again, he's in prison when he's writing this. So, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 14. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. There, are, I mean, I know there are a lot of verses I want you to pay attention. Because Paul does a way better job than I can. <laughs> okay. uh, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these, uh, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one, ent- no one engaged in, war to- in warfare en- entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the, to the rules. There's a lot there. Um, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. I think this is the last one. Second uh, Timothy 2, 22-3-7. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the, uh, the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, and in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come in their, come to their senses and, and, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Um, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, uh, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, uh, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures, uh, pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Just so you know, that list is not exhaustive. Um, for uh, of this sort are those who creep into, the ho- into households and make captives, of gullible women loaded down with sins, uh, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay. In Psalm 36.6, it says, Your judgments are great deep. Okay. Now, the judgments of God to the unbeliever we know about. We have to understand that his judgments are great deep for his people as well. Again, he who spares the rod hates his son, right? So, sometimes we will have trials and tribulations, which we don't understand. There are sometimes we'll, we'll go through stuff, and, and, and right out of that suffering, right out of that trial, we will see God's tremendous hand through it all. Sometimes, and you're young men, you're young women, and we're, you know, we're all in different stages, but 
he will 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 put you through the furnace for maybe 40 years down the road you never know his judgments are a great deep paul continues to encourage timothy to not only stay in the faith don't rest you know don't 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 just listen don't just hear seek this faith is 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 not a covenant of works but involves service it involves strength it involves action and i encourage you i exhort you as you are growing into manhood you're practically there as you grow more and more as men grow into the likeness of our savior and whether or not you preach whether or not you go before and you stand before a whole congregation is irrelevant all of us are called to be preachers all of us are called to bear testimony so grow more and more into the knowledge and the salvation of our God and Savior. Know Him. Love Him. Seek after Him. Run the race. When He says, you know, uh, the, the, when the winner of the race only gets the crown if he, if he goes according to the rules. You know, if you try to do this apart from, our, apart from Christ, outside of the framework of His calling, you will have no crown. His doctrine, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension are vital. And you must know them in your minds and in your hearts. He has written them in salvation. And now, again, remember I talk, what I've been saying is salvation is monergistic. God does all of that. Sanctification <clears throat> is synergistic. It, it, he is definitely according to his grace, but like when James implores to, you know, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He is glad to give us his blessings, okay? But we must seek after wisdom. We must be diligent all our lives. That is a life of glory. That is a life of purpose. That is what you were called to. It's a wonderful calling. It's a wonderful privilege to serve your God and on that day to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into my rest. Live your whole life for him. Okay? Okay. All right. No change. All right. All right. Uh, verse 3, uh, Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For all, for, They all knew that his father was Greek. Remember, in the last chapter, there was a huge dispute regra- regarding circumcision, right? Those Judaizers had that heresy, and so that started in Antioch, and then they went to Jerusalem to settle it. And now they're, they're, he's got that letter, and he's taking it to all these churches, including them. We'll see that, because remember, originally it was, just, it was written for, to Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. But he's still sending that letter out to all these other people. And then he took, uh, he took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews. He had had this huge dispute with the Judaizers. And now he's circumcising him because of the Jews. What we have to understand, remember, 
that letter was a compromise. Remember, the, 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 diet, the dietary laws do not pertain, but we ought to be uh, you know, sensitive to our Jewish brothers and sisters. That's what he's doing. In order for Timothy to go into the houses of Jews, which is what they do, in order for him to go into the synagogue, he's got to be circumcised. He has to be. And so that's what he's doing. Uh, who are in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, he probably wouldn't have circumcised him if nobody knew that his father was Greek. You know, why bother? No, everybody knew that his father was Greek, and so he has to circumcise him. Okay. Um, again, yeah. Uh, while circumcision is not necessary for salvation, it might be for somebody else's. And for him to enter into these households, for the salvation of other people, he must be circumcised. Um, again, this is not for Tim Timothy's redemption, nor Paul's, um, but he's, he's appeasing that heresy. Uh, he's opening the doors which would otherwise remain closed to the gospel. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I, be I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Uh, to those ha not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might have some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Again, so he's, again, this isn't relativism. He's, he's, he's accommodating the other person. Again, like if we sit down to have dinner with a Jew or with a Muslim or whatever, and they, they, are, they can't have pork, don't eat pork. If you're around a brother and sister in Christ who, who thinks uh, drinking is a sin, don't drink. All the rest, you become all things, all people for the sake of the gospel. Okay? All right. Um, okay. Now what we're going to talk about is circumcision and baptism real quickly. Okay? We've already, we've already talked about the circumcision, right? Where, where, when, where that was mandated really to link to the, uh, uh, the faith of Abraham, right? And remember... During the when God established that covenant, He had uh, He had Abraham split those animals right, and then put them on either side, and then God passed through in the midst through an oven and a torch. Remember, okay. Now baptism, okay, same thing. Baptism it does not save us. Many people think it does. It does not. It is the same thing. It links us to the faith. Now. Now. Let, let, let's recognize something here. Again, when I, that's why we looked briefly at the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. God does all this. God fulfills the covenants. Christ mandated the baptism as a sign linking us to his faith, to him, to our faith. Now, because what, what it symbolizes is our death with him and our resurrection with him. Now, Let's also think about his death, his suffering, his spilling his blood points back to those pieces. Okay? So God is in the entire covenant. He also becomes the blood necessary to seal the covenant. And baptism points us to that faith. 
just like circumcision pointed to the faith of Abraham. Does that make sense? So it, they're, they're linked. Baptism, circumcision doesn't save us. Baptism saves us. I mean, baptism doesn't save us. God saves us by his work, by his doing, and by his grace. Okay? But there's a similarity there that, I, that we need to recognize. Okay? Is it, baptism is mandated, and we, and we do it out of an abundance of gratitude. We don't do it just because Christ commanded it. We do it because we're grateful. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, four and five. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. So again, real briefly, again, this was that letter was addressed only to Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. He's in Lystra. He went to Derby. He went to Lystra. Let me go to Iconium. Anyway, but he's still sending those letters to them as well. Remember, any letter and any, especially an authoritative letter, would be dispersed. Okay, there, there are many who, that aren't in extent, just so you know. Remember, we talked about First and Second Corinthians. There are, there are two other ones. The first one is not in existence, and the third one isn't, is not in existence. The second one and the fourth one are. Anyway, but he's still sending these to these other cities. Again, we're going to look at some of these really briefly. That's one of them, but that's what he's doing. He's sending the decree, again, that was just addressed for Syria, Antioch, and Cilicia to all the churches which uh, strengthened in the, them in the faith and increased in number daily, just like it did at Syria and Antioch and Cilicia. All right. Why isn't it? Okay, whatever. All right, six and seven. Now, when they had gone through Fergia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus uh, did not permit them. So, they, they go through, now we don't talk about Antioch here, but they definitely stopped in Antioch. And then they want to go into Asia. Just so you know, the seven churches uh, mentioned in Revelation are in Asia. They're, they're all of these, one of which is Thyatira, which is where Lydia was from. And we'll talk about that. But these are the seven churches mentioned in uh, the book of Revelation. But he's forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of Asia. Just so you know, again, Lydia's uh, from Asia. They will meet here, and she... So the Holy Spirit forbids him to preach. Paul, in his heart, desires to go to Asia. Paul wants to go to Asia. God tells him no. Okay. Then he wants to go to Bithynia. You know, they're, they're up here. He's like, well, let's go to Bithynia. God says no. Paul will later go to Bithynia. I want us to understand, though, real quickly, I mean, we're going to talk about this anyway. Lydia is basically the first European convert, period. And she will take the gospel... This woman, this faithful woman, will take the gospel to Asia. God forbids Paul to go to Asia because his daughter will send him to Asia. Will take his testimony to Asia. We're going to see that, but I just want to make a point that he's forbidden. We follow God. Our calling is only for him. And we go to where he calls us, okay? And that's what's going on. But again, that's not because he doesn't like the people in Asia. <laughs> not because he doesn't like the people in Bithynia. Because he has a plan in Philippi. That's why. That's important to recognize. God is doing all of this. So those two people meet. Paul and Lydia. 
And so he's saying, nope, you're not allowed to go to Asia. Nope, not Bithynia. Nope, go to here. And we'll see how this happens. Okay. Um, I don't need to go in. Okay. 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 Eight through ten. So passing by Messiah, they came down to Trous, and, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. I, I continue to tell you, we we will see Luke joining in the ministry. This is where it starts. He was obviously, he must have been in Trous because they go to Trous and that's where the vision happened. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. It wasn't we at all until Trous. So Luke is likely from Trous. Just interesting. Um, uh, okay. And so a man of Macedonia, so a, a vision appeared to Paul. Remember all the visions. We talked about visions. So a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Remember, he wanted to go to Asia. He wanted to go to Bithynia, and now he's like, well, I guess we'll just, we're in trials. I mean, I don't know. What do we do? <laughs> and, and so uh, God gives him a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. We will see when he gets to Philippi, and there aren't enough men there to start a synagogue, okay? So what happens is when, there, when there's no synagogue, you, you find a place to pray and study the word, outside somewhere, typically by a body of water. And we will see that this vision of, is of a man, and they will only be talking to women. It's just interesting. And we'll look at that. Whether, you know, if it would have been a woman pleading with him, I don't know if that's suggesting that he wouldn't have otherwise go, gone. But it's just interesting that a man is in the vision, and they only talk to women. It's, but we'll, we'll, we'll see that. But it, yeah, okay. Oh, what happened there? That was incredible. I don't know. All right. Uh, 11 and 12. Therefore, sailing from, from Charles, we ran a straight course to uh, Samothrace, uh, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of uh, that part of Macedonia colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. Just so you know, uh, Philippi is named uh, Philippi from uh, Alexander the Great's father, Philip. Philip II of Macedonia. Uh, and that's a long story, but Alexander Great, the Great's father, was from, well, conquered Macedonia and, and started a city, built a city for his name, for himself. He called it after himself, which is very humble. But anyway, so they go to Macedonia, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, because, you know, again, it's named after Philip, uh, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days. Again, we don't know for how long. But obviously, when they get to the Sabbath, as we'll see, um, uh, um, they, they, they go out and meet the women. Um, so, Macedonia was uh, uh, made a colony from Octavius, who later becomes Caesar Augustus. Very important Caesar, the one right after Julius Caesar. Very important. Very important Caesar. Anyway, he, he makes that part uh, a colony, which basically gives all of those people Roman citizenship. They're, they're, you know, they're free from taxation. They, they, they are, you know, they are, are free basically only according to the law of the Romans and all of that kind of stuff. There are many privileges that come with being a Roman uh, citizen, which we will see later in Acts. That's why it's important that I, that I mention that. Paul is a Roman, and when he's 
beaten and all this other stuff. And then he says, you know, I'm a Roman. These people freak out because apparently they were <laughs> hitting a Roman citizen and that would not have been good for them. But we'll, then the night comes later. But it's just important to recognize you get a lot of benefits from being a Roman citizen. Okay. 13. And on the Sabbath day, we, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Okay. This pick, this picture is of a pool of the river Ganget, Gangetes. I don't really know how to pronounce, pronounce it. I guess I probably should have looked up. Anyway, the traditional place of Lydia's baptism. It, this was very likely the river, okay? They, they, they were, and I just think it's, a, I think it's interesting. I just think it's beautiful to think this is where the apostle and Lydia and Lydia and all of her household are baptized. And we're going to see this, but it, it, I just think it's fantastic. Okay, um, so again, according to Jewish practices, minimum number of 10 men were required to form a synagogue. And again, so when that couldn't happen, they would meet outside, typically near water, um, to instruct the, um, the Old Testament. Um, so the women were meeting there to read and study the scripture and welcomed any, pre, any faithful minister to exposit the, the Bible to them. So they welcomed Paul, Luke, and the whole entourage, Silas, all of them, you know, to, to talk to them. Okay. Okay. 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped the God. The Lord opened her heart and, uh, to heed the things spoken by Paul. Sorry. Okay. First of all, she was a seller of purple. Purple was a very... You had to be very wealthy to have a purple robe. That's why Christ was appareled in a, uh, in a purple robe, because, you know, he had professed to, to Pontius Pilate that he was a king. And so... Pilate, being reluctant to crucify Christ, kind of mocked the Jews in that way. And then he puts a sign, you know, on the cross saying, King of the Jews in Latin, Greek, and Aramaic. I'm sure you've seen that somewhere. But anyway, uh, so she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, which again was in, oh, let me, let me tell you, just uh, the, the letter. So there were seven churches in the book of Revelation. Each received a letter. Okay, that Christ tells John to write and send to them. Um, and to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your uh, works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, uh, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all, her, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each uh, one of you according to your works. Now, to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put, uh, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast uh, what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations." He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessels. For I, for I also have received from my father, and I will give uh, him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, real quickly, just so we know, 
that's not talking about Lydia. He calls her Jezebel. It's probably a there was a there's just another Jezebel in an Old Testament terrible woman, Ahab's wife, and we'll we'll consider that some other time, God willing. But so it's a general name, most likely, just specifically talking about sexual immorality. And when he talks about killing the children and stuff, that's spiritual too. But let us also recognize, because and I've talked about this, we always we always think of Jesus as this happy-go-lucky hippie who's, who's incapable of anger. That is not the Christ we serve. He's the one who flings tables, who makes a cord of whips, who calls Peter Satan. Let's get rid of this dream, fantasy, weak Jesus. He is the Son of God. Let's just... Remember that. Okay, again, Lydia is the first European um, converted. Uh, yeah, we already looked at that. That's in Asia. Um, again, uh, God's going to send her. So she's not a Jewess. Uh, she worshipped God. Remember, so she's a God worshiper. So she's a proselyte. Um, uh, and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. God does all these things. Again, he, he, he prevented him from going to all these... No. I don't know what that is. Uh, from going to all these places and to, to make this meeting happen. God determined from all of eternity that he will have Lydia. And he, he makes Paul go out of his way, but he, make, he, he makes it. He purposes it. He makes it come to pass. He does not force anybody to believe in him. What he does is he transforms our hearts and our minds to receive the truth. There are many who will hear the testimony and not come to Christ. Okay, Lydia. First of all, so this is for y'all. I want to talk less specifically about her because, again, I, I just wanted to show God's providence in, in, in the meeting of these two individuals. But we see a lot of men in the Bible. We talk about a lot of men in the Bible. Jesus was a man. Adam was a man. man, man you know, there's, there's a thing there. Women, though. I've talked about the importance of women in the New Testament, especially compared to the Old Testament. I want to give, I, I just want to briefly discuss some things. At the wedding in Cana of Galilee, you know, when, when Jesus' mother, Mary, comes and says, you know, hey, they've run out of wine. He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? That sounds kind of rude, doesn't it? Just see, woman is really like the modern ma'am. It's a term of respect. It's a term of deference, you know. And, and just as soon as he says, you know, uh, he says, what, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. She tells the servants, do as he says. Basically, he, she says, that's great. Yeah, go ahead and do, do what he says. That's, that's all cute and all, Jesus. Go ahead and do this. And he, and he does. He honors his mother because he's perfect. And so he's, he's like, hey, my time hasn't come. But she told him, basically, that's interesting. Now your time has come. Your hour has come because the need is here. Okay, it would be a very embarrassing. I mean, there's all sorts of their things there. The custom of that day, if you ran out of wine, basically, I mean, you can actually you could be sued 
the the guest could have sued the host. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. And so he turns the water into into wine. The woman at the well. Well, because according to those customs, that it was by law that they had to, these ceremonies had to be such a way. And wine is really meant for the merriment, merriment of, of the people. And so they have these specific, and that's why those uh, big jar, those big, you know, huge barrels, basically, are full of water. That's really for purification. As you come in, it's kind of a baptism. As you come in, you cleanse you know, yourself and all this other stuff. So there's all sorts of things that are necessary. Um, but if you didn't have that, yeah, you could be sued because... Uh, well, it's typically monetary. It would be typically monetary, yeah. Um, um, what was I going to with that? Oh, yeah, okay. So the woman at the well, too. She comes at noontime. She's obviously an outcast. She's what we would call today... A very derogatory term I'm not going to say. I think one, you know, one who's out there, you know, promiscuous. There we go. Uh, we'll say that. She was obviously promiscuous. She had had five husbands, and she was living with another man then. So she comes, to, everybody else would come to the well in the morning, in the cool of the day and all that. She's got to wait for everybody. And so she comes later. And Jesus finds her, and he's sitting at the well. His disciples are going and taking care of things. Jesus knows this woman's coming. Christ has set this up. God has set this up to find this woman. This Samaritan woman, by the way. Not only is she promiscuous, she was a, she was a Syrian. And they're having this conversation back and forth. You know, he asks, you know, will you, will you fetch me, you know, will you grab me a glass of water? May I have some, will you get me some water? And she says, you know, you're asking me to get you water? I'm a Syrian. You know, y'all don't have anything to do with us. And they have this big back and forth, you know. And, and she asks him, you know, uh, you know, we believe, you know, we're supposed to worship on this mountain. Y'all believe it's supposed to be in Jerusalem. And Christ says, surely I say to you, a day will come where you will neither worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but everywhere. <laughs> you know, basically, it's not going to matter. You, you, will, you will worship God everywhere, anywhere you are, okay? And she, she, she keeps on, and then he says, um, um, I don't remember what he said, but <laughs> she, she, she asks him, how do you know me? And he says, woman, surely I tell you, you know, again, I know you have five husbands, because oh, that's what he said. He said, go and fetch your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you know, you're right in saying you don't have a husband, for you've had five, and the one you're living with is not your husband. And she says, how do you know me? He says, what did he say? Man, I wish I would remember. But he calls her woman. He refers to this promiscuous Syrian woman as, wo as ma'am. Okay. There are many other occasions. Uh, Martha and, and Mary, the, the siblings to uh, Lazarus, he was obviously very close to. Jesus would, on occasion, separate himself from everybody. Ministry can be exhausting. It can be. Even what it was, and it was for Jesus. And he, had, he isolates himself many different times. Those people, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, were faithful companions. 
where he would go and just be able to relax. Just be able to kick his feet up and just be friends. He doesn't, you know, he's not under the pressure of performing signs and wonders or preaching. They, they, they're friends of his. Martha and Mary, these two women, and he comes and ministers to them and, and he weeps for Lazarus. The shortest sentence in the Bible is Jesus wept. He cries. Not, not just because of Lazarus, not because Lazarus is dead. He knows he's about to raise him. Because these women are crying. He's, he's comforting them. He feels their sadness. And he cares. Lastly, I had a, a few other examples. But lastly, at Calvary, at the cross, there are three women. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, his aunt. And Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. She was a professional prostitute who was full of seven demons. And Christ cast them out and she becomes a faithful, faithful daughter, sister to him for the rest of the time. Where were the men? Where were the men at the cross? Hmm? No, no, the, the, his, 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 his apostles. We see one there. John was there. He eventually got there. All of them had scattered. Remember, Peter's denying. They're scared. They're petrified. You know, they t they took him. They they think they're gonna you know they're gonna take him too. Remember, Peter had actually said, "I'll die with you." Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross. She is saying, "I am here. I I I I I am." I will be with you to the end. And that didn't go unnoticed by God. Wouldn't you have loved to see the resurrected Lord? Where were the men then? In the upper room, behind locked doors, afraid of the Jews. The women get up in the middle of the night, put these spices together to go and anoint Jesus. And as they get there, the tomb is gone. The angels are there. Remember, we saw that in the, the account of Luke. The angel is there, and, and they run. Certain women, some of the women, run to tell the disciples. And Peter, you know, Peter's like, great, no, right, let's go check this out. Thanks, women. Let's go check this out. John, come on, let's go check it out. And they get there, and they see the tomb rolled away, and, and linen cloths, and that's it. They did not see the resurrected Jesus then. Anyway, he comes later. But in the garden, at the tomb, Mary stayed. After the, you know, Mary stayed behind. And, and she's devastated because she th they think that somebody took his body away. There's no body there. There's nobody there. You know, there's no body. Yeah, anyway, uh, but, you know, and so she's devastated. And this man comes. She thinks this is the gardener. And he's, he asks her, you know, why are you weeping? And she says, you know, they've taken away my, the body of my Lord. Please tell me where they have taken him. And he says, Mary, Mary. And he look, she looks up and notices him. It says, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means rabbi. This prostitute is the first one to see the resurrected Lord. Women are very important. 
lastly, when Christ is on the cross, he looks at his mother and says, Behold your son. He looks at John. He says, Behold your mother. Many people think that when he was telling Mary, Behold your son, he's talking about him. He was not. She was already beholding him. She couldn't get his, her eyes off of him. Put yourself there for a second. Of course. I mean, I can't imagine. That's, anyway. But he tells her, Behold your son. Tells John, behold your mother. As he's dying. By the way, obviously, you know, he says, woman, behold your son. Obviously, as he's dying, he's not using some pejorative name. He's, he's again addressing her. Ma'am, mom, behold your son. He is concerned with the welfare of his mother. As he's going away to the father, as he... He's interested and, and, and completely invested for the well-being of his mother and her needs. And so John is now called to take care of her. Okay? So those are just a few examples. We must realize and we must remember, you know, again, we talk a lot about men. We see men all over the place. We see, we do see women. We have to realize that. We have to appreciate that. You know, the, God created man and woman in his likeness. Women are essential. God almost went out of his way, if there is such a thing, to find Lydia. <laughs> women are not second-class citizens in heaven. They're just as crucial they're just as much children of God as any man. Okay? It's just important to recognize that. I, I don't think we talk enough. I'd actually, I, I think we're going to have a series before these on all sorts. These are all sorts of different women in the Bible. But, but you've, got, you've got Sarah, you've got Esther, you've got Deborah, you've got uh, Ruth, you've got, uh, I already said, did I say Esther? Anyway, uh, you've got all sorts of really important women in the Bible, and I'd love to actually have a whole series to discuss them. And we'll do men, too. Uh, we'll uh, look at men as well. Okay. Uh, Who's that person in the top left? That's most likely Sarah. I mean, these are depictions, but it's most likely Sarah. Uh, she's the mother of the faith, you know. That's why she's kind of blocked out over there. All right. Um, and this one's probably Lydia. I mean, I don't know. She's got the rope, so it might be uh, Rahab. Uh, she's the one who lets the two... By the way, again, she's in. she was a prostitute too, and she's delivered in Jericho, and she's actually in Jesus' lineage, just so you know. Okay. All right. This... Okay, 15... And, what that is. And when she and her household were uh, baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me, me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So she, first of all, this is, this is a general depiction of what her house m most likely looked like. She was probably very wealthy. You know, if you're a seller of purple. Thyatira was, uh, and still is, famous for their dyes and all that kind of a thing. They even had, um, well, anyway. So this is, this is a general depiction of what her house most likely looked like. Excuse me. So she and her household were baptized. 
We, we don't know if she had a husband. It's very unlikely because she, otherwise he would have been at the river as well. But she and all her household, maybe she has children, but she probably has a ton of servants. You know, she's very wealthy and all of them are baptized. The circumcision, when God uh, commanded the circumcision to Abraham, he says, you know, you, you must circumcise all of the, the, your male offspring and all of your male servants. So, all of the household, all of the servants are also baptized. Okay. Okay, this is a household of faith. I want to conclude before we read Isaiah. In John 6.55, Christ says, My flesh is food, food indeed, or true food, and my blood is drink indeed, true drink. Food. Food sustains us. We need food. We need food to live. We need food to survive. We need food for strength. What he's saying is, my flesh is true food, is real food. All, all of it, the food, you know, goes through your body and then goes out. You know, he is true food. He stays. He manifests himself and he will fill you more and more, you know, with himself. And again, strengthening your resolve, strengthening your faith growing more and more into your mind, heart, and soul. He is true food. When you receive him, it, it, it's not a temporary thing. It's an eternal thing. He is true food. His blood is true drink. We need water to survive. We need, we need you know, when we're, when we're sweating, when we're in labor, we need water to quench our thirst. He, he says, He who is thirsty, come to me. I am the fountain of living waters. That his blood, his, his, let me, let me also mention something. We are not saved by believing in Jesus. Let me just give me a second here. We are not saved by knowing the doctrine of Christ, we are not saved by circumcision or baptism or anything but the blood. There is no atonement without blood. There is no salvation without his pouring out of blood. And we there is so much here because after he's resurrected, you know, the Bible talks about flesh and blood, you know, men and women, men and flesh and blood and all of that. After his resurrection, he refers to his body and bones. There's a suggestion, all of his blood was poured out. All of it. I mean, figuratively, I mean, honestly, I mean, still had some in his body. But figuratively, he paid that price for all of us. Again, let's not fancy some weak and mild Jesus. He killed death. That was not a defeat. That was the ultimate victory. That was his strength. That was his fight. And he did it. And he did it perfectly. But it's his blood. His blood saves us. His blood is true drink to cleanse us forever. Okay. 
All right, we're going to uh, read Isaiah 11 and 12. I mean, tw 12 is very short. Um, this isn't connected. All right, should have done this beforehand. All right. Bluetooth. Bluetooth. All right, let's see here. There we go. I think it's this one. Not that one, I guess. Where are you? Pairing. Oh, okay. Sorry. You are not pairing. Pair. In pairing mode. No, no, you're Pairing. lying. Search for the Vizio soundbar. It's right at the try. there. Your okay. Okay. Hang on. Let's try this quickly. Because it likes to work when it feels like it. Man, I don't have anything. I'm really sorry. Almost here. Almost there. Is that up there? Sounds like. I guess so. Okay. It's over there. Yeah. Over where? Oh, it's that soundbar. Dang it. Okay. Well, I can change that. <laughs> okay. Let's disconnect that one. There it is. There. Connected. There we go. Let's try that one out. There we go. Okay. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall, he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the, for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth, and with the breath of, breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteous, righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall lay straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall not shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy kingdom, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. He will set up a banner for the nations, and will assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth, and also the envy of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines toward the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall, shall obey them. The Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. With his mighty wind he shall shake his fist over the river, and strike it in the seven streams, and make men cross over dryshod. There, shall be a, there will be a highway for the remnant of his people who will be left from Assyria and, and it was for Israel, as it was for Israel in the day that he came up from the land of Egypt. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. 
Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with, therefore, with joy you will draw, draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His deeds among the peoples, make mention that His name is exalted, sing to the Lord, for He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One, Holy One of Israel in your midst. Blessed Father of our church, of our Christ and thy church, thy arm has stretched out the earth. Fill thy children with grace and a fire to search those thou hast called, called for new birth. May thy young men see visions and thy old men dream dreams. Give thy daughters provisions of thy merciful streams. For thy son rose the banner and it bids thy saints come. For this is thy chosen manner, it is the beat of thy drum. That thy word returns not to thee void, but shall accomplish whatever thou please. In bountiful grace is enjoyed, and it is only by thee that it frees, that we shall abound evermore in thy anthem, and lift our voices to thee without end. For thy holy blood has paid all of our ransom, and it is only with thee we ascend. Let's pray. I was supposed to repeat, that didn't work. <clears throat> holy Father, feed us our bread this day, give us this day our daily bread. Give us our drink, your drink offering, your blood poured out to cover us, to make us righteous before your sight. When you see us, you see him. We thank you for your amazing redemption. We thank you for your beautiful plan. We thank you for your incredible faithfulness in making it come to pass and calling us to your great name. May we sing that anthem together with the saints all around the world and the angels in heaven, now and forever. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Fire Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the book of Acts.